do you get an Oscar these days just for being British? Answer me this, answer me this. With three weeks with Perez Hilton, make anyone skittish. Answer me this, answer me this. Helen and Ollie, answer me this. Which came first, the chicken, the egg, or this endless fucking pile of emails about chickens and eggs? <laughs> Seriously, so many of you have got in touch about this. I don't remember a time before those emails, so I think the chicken and the egg must have both landed simultaneously at the beginning of time, uh, and then email shortly after. So, in Answer Me This 305, we, you may recall, were discussing the relatively few dishes in the world that contain both chicken and eggs. In substantial proportions, so not chicken and mayonnaise. Correct. Chicken and solid egg. Whole eggs rather than an egg-based lubricant such as a mayonnaise not a soup with a chicken stock that also has egg proper chicken and egg dishes uh, edmund and about five million other people uh, <laughs> have been in touch to say your discussion on chicken and eggs reminded me of another dish for your list one of the delights of my time spent as an exchange student in japan the discovery in a tokyo restaurant of a dish called oyakodon which is a delicious combination of chicken and egg on rice in a bowl Oya is Japanese for parent, ko for child, and don for bowl. So this dish translates as parent and child bowl. Not appetising. That's kind of disgusting. Not appetising at all. Uh, Todd says, uh, did you know that the Paul Simon song Mother and Child Reunion was inspired by a Chinese chicken and egg meal? I didn't. And from the song, that's not obvious to me. Next thing you'll be telling us that red, red wine was inspired by some sort of beverage. Paul from Bristol has also listened to episode 305 and he says i object to your assessment of size seven men's feet being tiny how could you possibly (laughs) object to that i I would say that that is an objective view here is why i am a 37 year old man and i have size five feet (laughs) i dream of having size seven feet where my only problem would be slightly large socks i have to buy children's shoes the only upside of which is that they're VAT exempt, so are slightly cheaper and sometimes have dinosaurs on. Wow, Paul, you are a tiny little baby man. <laughs> well, he might be a huge man with, with small, not small, with uh, unusual sized feet since he's taken offence to oh, us typifying those feet as being I, below I average size. I think, Paul, you're so short that a normal man's sock is like a sleeping bag for you. He might look like a beautiful ballet dancer when he walks. That's right, he might. He might. See, Paul, it's not all bad, is it? Mm. And also, you could probably get a job as a foot model for women's shoes. Or for children. Because actually, there are licensing laws, aren't there? Yes, you can work full hours as a child's shoe model. I don't believe there are any rules on the exploitation of men with tiny children's feet. No, they don't have to ask your parents for permission because you're 37. (laughs) Silver linings all over the place. No VAT child foot modelling career. Well, Paul, the podiatrally petite Paul has a question. He says, Ollie, answer me this. Yeah, do it in a high voice to represent, obviously, how small he is. I'll I'll do it with the tiny clomping of little shoes. He says, Ollie, answer me this. How can I stop people staring at me like I'm some kind of nonce for frequenting children's shoe shops? Could you mail order the shoes? Would that be better? Or going to children's shoe shops very late in the day after most children have gone home? That's a good point, actually, because I imagine that the real traffic in a children's shoe shop happens uh, for kids that aren't yet at school around kind of 11s and then, yeah. you know, maybe after school, 4 to 5pm. Yeah, and don't go in school holiday time. Yeah. Go on go on a Monday morning during... Monday term. morning, yeah, 10am. Yeah. You'll be the only one in there. 
You'll like, have the whole shoe shop to yourself. You'll be like Michael Jackson in a toy time. shop. Yes. Do a montage of yourself trying on <laughs> shoes and moonwalking in them. Uh, now, something else that has happened since our last episode, Helen, is that your podcast, the one you were crowdfunding for a few months back, has Thanks, actually everyone. started. Yes, yes. It has launched uh, The Allusionist. A-L-L-U-S-I-O-N-I-S-T. Yes. It's no Mickey Mouse Club, but I can spell it out. That was uh, very impressive. <laughs> I'm bad at spelling things out loud, so obviously good that I'm doing this word podcast. Yes, I've launched that now, so thanks everybody who chipped in for funding it and Radiotopia's future. Um, and uh, there's a double bill of episodes, and uh, one of them is about puns and stars brother of the show Andy Zaltzman, familiar <laughs> to you from the Bugle podcast. And because... Andy didn't get his punning from nowhere. It also features Father Zaltzman, who many of you enjoyed in answering this 200. Very dry sense of humour. The return of Zach Zaltzman to a Zaltzman family podcast. Return of the Zach. (laughs) Yes, it is. (laughs) And where can people find this online? Theallusionist.org, as well as iTunes and stuff. Um, And also the other episode is about bras. So puns and bras, because I know what you like. All your interests are covered. Go and listen to it. Very British, isn't it, for a show that's uh, funded by a partly American company? They do wear bras in America. I know, but it's just... They do puns as well. I like the fact that you've also introduced the word fortnightly into the vocabulary of Roman Mars. He needs it, because it's very hard to express the concept of a two-week expanse of time without the word fortnight, because mm. bi-week can also mean twice a week. Yeah. And See? You know what Rubbish. it's like these days. Someone would be like, oh, bi-week. Well, when's trans week? You know, <laughs> it's just easier to say fortnight. Bi-week doesn't even exist. Just decide on a week. <laughs> Everyone's so- a little bit bi-weekly. <laughs> Hi, this is Mark, Helen and Ollie and Martin the Sandman. Can you please answer me this? I'm up for a meeting in uh, Coventry and just been walking through the city centre where there's a precinct and there's a sign on it that says no skateboarding or similar activities. Well, what is a similar activity to skateboarding? I can't think of any. Can you? I assumed that other activities would be similar kind of stunt activities on wheels like doing BMX stunts or rollerblading Mm. or other shoes with wheels on yeah not wheelchairs though those are okay Zimmer frames maybe (laughs) they're fine shopping trolleys are borderline aren't they shopping trolleys fine if being used by a person who's clearly intending Mm. to carry shopping bad if being used by a teenager having fun kiddie scooters it's basically young people having fun on wheels isn't it no space hoppers either (laughs) space hoppers are in the list um and I suppose anything related to skateboarding, so, you know, mm. saying dude, uh, wearing vans. <laughs> Big, oversized clothes. Okay, I've got a serious question. What about parkour? Well... Or free running? I, I think that is a similar activity. Is it? Yeah. It's not got wheels. You're not going to run anyone over doing parkour. Are they legally covered, though, if you smash your head open on their skating ramp by saying, well, look, no skateboarding or other similar activities here? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think they probably are. Any activities will get your head smashed open. Yeah. That's what the subtext is. Yeah. Parkour is essentially the same as that game where you're not allowed to touch the floor. Like the floor's made of lava and you've got to run around your living room just oh, on the sofa and the armchairs is? and stuff. I always thought it was more like Wink Murder. Really? No, not really. <laughs> extreme wink murder <laughs> we go jumping from building to building that's With what they're actually shots. doing yeah. they're just winking really hard if you look carefully no one looks at their face why extreme wink murder is the show that is missing from challenge TV <laughs> that would be great I'd, in a strange sort of parallel universe I'd be the kind of person who did skate and do parkour you know if I was athletically able it does appeal to me the subculture element of it kind of does like it's it's being outside but it's also being a bit sardonic and a bit sideways about everyone else i'd love to know the freedom of whizzing along on skates yeah the fact is i cannot stand up on wobbly things like skates when i was nine or ten uh, my friends and i used to frequent the roller disco in um the leisure center just outside uh, tunbridge wells 
because uh, what's better than whizzing around on wheels to rock set? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Literally nothing. Um, now, I cannot pretend to have ever been a skater that could let go of the wall. But at home, my brothers used to tease me because sometimes I'd put on my roller skates and just sit in an armchair. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I think it was because I, <laughs> I think I thought if, if I wore them long enough, it would become intuitive mm. to skate well, rather than something say, I was spectacularly ill-qualified to do. People say, don't they, you know, sitting down is the new smoking is a, is a phrase that I've been seeing a lot on the internet over Finally, the Finally, I'm Cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like someone in a film noir because no, I sit down a no, lot. No, not in that way. Oh. In the sense that being sedentary is bad for your health. Oh, goodbye, um, And that actually <laughs> actually sitting down too much is the sort of silent killer. Uh-huh. Uh, this some self-help author in the US has been saying it's this this di- week. a bit difficult, though, given most jobs. Well, indeed. So what the answer to this, you know, according to various articles that I've seen trending on Twitter is, is, you know, for example, squatting whilst brushing your teeth. You know, I don't sit down whilst I'm uh, brushing my teeth. That's one of the times when I'm not sitting down. Yeah, no, no. Doing squats. Like up, down, up, down, up, down. Sometimes I do do kind of plies whilst brushing my teeth, but that's because I need to strengthen my calf tendons because I have a foot condition. There you go. Well, that's an example, you see. Yeah, or standing not- up whilst you're on one of those new standing desks. Oh, that seem like a really horrible idea standing, standing You can get desks. treadmill desks as well oh, Apparently God. Graham Linehan has one It's like if, if yeah. working in an office isn't miserable enough I know, I mean, combine it with on. exercise yeah, yeah. But then I suppose that's the point, isn't it? If you're doing a relatively boring Bureaucratic yes. bit of work Why or, not just combine it with exercise Which is boring and you'd rather have more free time to yourself In the evening than go to the gym Or, yeah, you're, browsing, that's true. or you're browsing the internet and doing some enjoying Internet fucking around age But you're sitting on your ass when you could be doing some uh, Slow walking and thus exercising and making it a valuable activity rather than a time-wasting one. I wonder if teenagers sort of vigorously wanking repetitively counts as physical exercise. One of their arms it is. Well, if you think about it, it is better than just sitting there, isn't it? You can't really do that at a standing desk, though. You could do it at work. I don't (laughs) I'm doing it right now. I'm exercising. What are you going to do about it? Uh, Well, here is a question from Johnny at University in Aberdeen. He says, I'm up at an ungodly hour, nine past three in the morning. What are you talking about? That's primetime radio. Yeah, I'm up listening to Ollie Man on LBC. If he had, he'd have heard my conversation last night, which is, do you have have an unconventional pet which i think is one of my favorite questions that i've ever done on lbc well he says i'm not trying to live a day in the life of ollie man it is in fact because i am deeply concerned for one of britain's favorite celebrity chefs and that's keeping him awake wow so ollie answer me this what the fuck happened to ainsley harriet <laughs> his sinister yet jolly face used to be on our screens daily in years gone by but now it would appear ainsley's glory days are over mm. do you have news on the big man you know, actually, to me, he's very much uh, a constant presence because... Uh, he's he, always creeping up on you. Um, <laughs> no, he's a couscous magnate, isn't he? Um, wow. He's pretty much the leading brand in uh, partially made microwavable couscous. I'm sure I've uh, seen him advertising other similar products, yeah, partially there's a whole made range, things. Yeah, quinoa. He's, um, he's the king of partially cooking things. Yeah, he's, he's the British Uncle Ben. That's not racist, he just is. Like, his face comes out the top of packets that are things that you put in the microwave for a minute. He's also probably on tv programs that we don't watch it's just that ready steady cook isn't on anymore every day giving us a daily dose of ainsley he was on this morning this week so career far from over i think you'll find was Uh, he cooking or doing something else he was making ainsley harriet sticky chicken thighs hot slaw and sweet potato wedges okay sounds like sounds like yeah sounds like he's still at the top of his game i suppose the thing is he's just not a presenter anymore is he and it's that awful thing you know people think if you're not the presenter anymore, it's like you don't have a career. You know, he's got his couscous empire. Yeah. He still does his books. He had a book out in 2011. I know it's not that recent, more recent than ours. They're, but you know, people still around. buy them, still buy them. Yeah. Um, but Fern Britain, I think, is the same. If you're talking about former presenters of Ready, 
really steady cook. Mm. And then she was on TV every day on This Morning. Mm. And of course, we are talking about that very regularly. And we have that conversation Dude, actually, almost constantly. Former presenters of Ready, Steady. My mastermind specialist subjects. What fun, former presenters of Ready, Steady. What has Fun Britain got to do? <laughs> but she's not on TV every day anymore. You don't see her that often at all. No, but she's interviewing people in cuddly jumpers about their Christianity. Uh, and she's happy boring. with that. Is she? Because she's so. very ambitious, as we know, because we listen to her autobiography. <laughs> do you think the Ainsley shtick has been somewhat damaged by the fact that what he does is fairly achievable and you've already got Jamie Oliver covering that I think what happened to be honest is that when Jamie and Nigella came along they weren't really selling food anymore I know Ainsley was selling food plus personality but they were selling food plus personality plus sex weren't they yeah and sex wins doesn't it that's the thing so now you really can't get a TV show as a celebrity chef unless you're selling sex as well Mm. as everything or I'm on a mission you know I'm going to change the way whatever you know prisoners eat I, don't, I haven't closely followed his career but from the little exposure I've had to him I feel like his larger than life persona has a certain kind of like energetic desperation that suggests he's not actually that comfortable in front of the spotlight and it was actually maybe just a short period of exposure that he needed to kickstart his, short his brand about 20 years or so well, well yeah maybe well that's why I, yeah maybe you can help back this up with more detail he's a very experienced broadcaster but Martin's right his on-air personality is slightly edgy and that is what is being hinted at in this question from Johnny as well, isn't it? That, mm. that it's not. I wouldn't say he's sinister, but I would no. say you got the impression, and I'm sorry to bring Anthony Worrell Thompson into it again because oh, no. I know he's had his problems, but again, the two of them, Worrell Thompson and Harriet, I think both of them slightly edgy. And now celebrity chefs have to look as I say, completely relaxed, completely in their own skin and like they want to sleep with you right then. Brian Turner wouldn't get on telly now, would he? No, that's the thing. But has Ainsley Harriet ever done I'm a Celebrity or anything like that? No, I don't think he has. Because he'd be good on that or Celebrity he Big Brother. He must have been asked, mustn't must he? Must have been. I, I, he's the kind of person who'd turn up for a task on Big Brother. You know, the celebrities have to play won't cook, can't cook. Yeah. And he'd turn up and do a parody of himself. Yeah. In fact, he's done a bit of that. Like, if you look at his recent CV, he was in the last ever episode of My Family, apparently. Right. I, I, I never watched My Family, but right. I imagine that he was doing a parody of a celebrity chef in that. So mm. he's, he's up for a bit of that. I wonder if he's stable enough to do three weeks in a celebrity reality show. Or just too people, sensible. They want people who are going to break and uh, a lifetime of um, psychological upset is going to come pouring out. But we're all assuming he wants the attention. I repeat, no. he is a couscous magnate. It's like he is Lloyd the Lloyd Grossman. Grossman of couscous. Lloyd Grossman he doesn't was, need on, it. He was on TV Big a lot. Big pile of money. And he doesn't even go on MasterChef that he had a hand in the format of. Yeah. Because he's just like, ah, fuck it, I've got my jars of sauce. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I tried some of Barry Norman's pickled onions the other day. Yes, they're quite strong, aren't they? So strong. So strong. And, mm. I, you know, because they're sort of bewildered by the celebrity factor, yep. there's nothing on the jar to indicate... The aggression within. The aggression. What, if you what? were marketing them as just as a normal pickled onion by someone who wasn't famous, you would call them Barry's Extra Hot Fuck Me Pickled Onions. <laughs> well, what, what aspect about them is strong? They're, Sharp. They're very acidic. Very sharp. Uh, because we a few years ago, Ollie, you and I had a bet on with our friend Leon. Mm. He was saying that his branch of Waitrose or something yeah. had... Uh, I can't remember how many types of pickled onion he, he said. He claimed maybe something 20. like 20, yeah. And we said, bet it's got four. Yeah. And we were right. So he bought us a jar of Barry's pickled onions. <laughs> but that jar is still in my fridge because we just can't get through them. Right. It's like embalming fluid with onions in it. I've got the question. Then email your question. Do answer me this podcast at googlemail.com. 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 
question of marriage now from someone who calls themselves Matrimony Troubles in mm. Kent. Mm. Yeah, so you can probably guess roughly where this is going. It's going to be a question about marriage and money. I'm deducing. Oh, you've really given it away. Sorry. We haven't Sorry got the to... question yet. Spoilers. Next. <laughs> uh, he says, uh, one of my oldest and best friends is getting married next month. Uh, and I've been asked, he says, to be one of the two best men. Gives the lie to that superlative, the fact of two. Doesn't it? Mm. Be joint best friend? Well, you had two, jo- two best men. I had two you best men, yeah. but You have were... to say that. But yeah. really, it is... It's two good men. You just can't decide your favourite. Yeah. Uh, I'm thrilled about it all, continues Matrimony Troubles, uh, as he's marrying a very nice woman uh, who is obviously way out of his league and we all get a free dinner and a disco out of it. Free dinner, free disco. What's the money trouble, Matrimony (laughs) Trouble? (laughs) Uh, Well, he says, for wedding presents, they've asked for cash... See, yeah, money normal troubles. now. Normal. Yeah. Is it? Yes. To help with their honeymoon instead of items for the house, which they've already fully kitted out over their years living in sin. Yeah, living in sin is really about going to Ikea and uh, putting up bookshelves and stuff. The most sinful place of all, isn't it? The homewares department of John Lewis. Yeah, uh, a lot of stabbings happen there. Now, now, he says, to help them with their wedding prep, my wife, an illustrator has designed their invitations, etc., free of charge, a service for which she'd normally charge several hundred pounds. Also, and despite what I've come to regard as standard wedding custom, myself and the other best man, another of our close friends, have been expected to buy our best men's suits out of our own pockets. Not even asked to buy either, just expected to. Yeah. I mean, was there the option to wear a suit you already owned? Because if so, I feel like... You should have been given that option, but if he said you have to buy this kind of suit, this very specific model of suit, yeah. then then it becomes more clouded. I've been best man twice, and both times the uh, wedding party paid for my suit. Uh, mm. One was an Indian wedding, so I really couldn't okay. have been expected to have had that in my cupboard. Mm. Uh, and, and had I mocked it up myself, it would have been very racist. Uh, the other was a sort of more traditional black tie wedding, but even so, there were like sort of long tails and coats and things that you had to hire. You can't be expected um, to own a morning suit. Exactly. Mm. I can see why, matrimony troubles, this has... Vexed you. Built up a bit of resentment inside mm. you, because I think that's what's happened, isn't it? It's not that either of these things is so individually objectionable that you would write to us, but clearly now there's another thing. We're about to find out what's yeah. the straw that's broken the camel's back. Now you look back and you think, oh, but there's all this money stuff. But free meal and disco, weigh it up. Mm. Well, this mm. is it. Well, here's the question. I mean, you can guess what it's going to be, but he says, Helen, answer me this. Having already spent around £400 on suits and accommodation and the stag do, because that's the other thing you forget about the stag do. 400 quid though, for all of those things. Yeah. That is, I mean, that is not that expensive. It's, it's average, it's true. You, the suit, you can wear again. He's got more, this is a list. Having saved them a fortune on wedding stationery. Yeah, but you didn't have to do that. They kind of did, but they could have charged a minimal fee, couldn't they? I don't think you should be adding that to the balance sheet because I've I've done that loads for friends' weddings because I want to and I'm flattered that they've asked me to do something mm. and I don't consider it something that I've lost money by doing. I wouldn't have done it if I couldn't afford the time on it. Well, this is the thing. He says, and I'll lose a day's work to attend the event itself. Uh, so, would it be churlish of me to not give them any cash in their wedding card? I think I mean, it why would. give them the card? They've already had enough of your illustrations, yeah. right? <laughs> Just give them a bill. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, it would be churlish. That's exactly what it would be. Mm. I mean, I went to my friend Stephen Becker's wedding uh, in Canada. Yes, you did. Uh, and we still took a wedding present. You can imagine what it costs to go to Canada for a wedding. And you dislocated your shoulder. How uh, much did that cost yeah, to get exactly. fixed? In hospital bills, yes. which I would have expected them to refund me. I hope their love is worth your pain. <laughs> um, 
But we brought a present and it was completely impractical. We should have actually brought money, thinking about it. But we went to Laura Ashley and got them a mantelpiece clock. Uh, which is a <laughs> you reasonable put it in your suitcase. Yeah, we put it in our suitcase, God. took it to Canada. And then they then decided to live on the other side of Canada. So it would have cost them money to take it there. And then eventually they flew back to England. Presumably they flew it back to England again. Have they got it? Uh, have you checked? I haven't checked. I haven't been they to their probably, new house. They probably dro- dropped it in the lake about 10 minutes after you go. Actually, so. they've been slightly reticent about inviting us to their new house. I wonder if that's the reason. Rude. Yeah. They've got a baby, so that's probably the reason. But maybe it is that the Laura Ashley clock is uh, a makeshift potty. I just think when things are breakable like that and you've moved continents you've got two solid excuses for having disposed of the wedding I think that's right I'd be cool with it but the point is at the time I felt like we had to give them something on the day I know that people act like dicks when it's their weddings and you're expected to put up with it and I hear your pain matrimony troubles but I just don't think the amount of money you'll be saving is worth it for the trouble that it will cause in your friendship going forward exactly how important is your friendship if you're one of two best friends being considered for the best man role yeah presumably your friendship is important even a moderate amount of dickishness in the wedding year is acceptable you know that's part of the to and fro the swings and balances of being a friend yes uh just just think what's this friend worth to me another hundred quid i can afford it just do it you can afford it emotionally just balance it out over your life or think if this were you and you'd acted in exactly the same way because you you're married so you know the kind of um psychological state that can put a person in and maybe you didn't act like a dick yourself so you're not willing to accept the dickishness in others yes i think actually that's what's going on here this often happens when people plan weddings Mm. they think well the way we planned our wedding was perfect because everyone tells people oh your wedding was amazing we loved your wedding you had a great wedding we had such a great time at your wedding your wedding was the best wedding ever are you suggesting they're lying to me what i'm saying is that's what they say to everyone now of course it's the truth in your case because yours definitely was the best wedding (laughs) ever fuck you Um, but what i'm saying is it is what everyone says to everyone so he probably our correspondent here probably thinks well our wedding was the best ever we didn't ask people to uh uh, contribute uh, free services like making our stationery and then ask them for money as well um so he, he's doing this as a sort of economic exercise a balance sheet but it doesn't work like that no absolutely not and also uh do you think he would feel differently if instead of cash it was a wedding list do you think having converted his money into napkins or whatever <laughs> he wouldn't feel quite so aggrieved yeah. that the balance sheet was way out of whack no i think he'd still feel aggrieved can you consult with the other best man and um, see what he's doing and oh. coordinate a policy. If you gave a joint present as best yes. men, yes. that would be nicer because it would mean more. It's like an emotional thing. And you could buy it in the sales and now it could be cheaper. saving money. Yeah, even though they've asked for money, yes. from the best men, they'd probably accept a gift, wouldn't they, that they'd get to keep forever. It could just be a framed yes. picture of them, like, which would like, cost less than the money you'd spend. You got us framed pictures. Very nice of you. So there you go. And we didn't have a wedding. They list. were the best wedding present ever. Absolutely. <laughs> That's what everyone Better than always all that tells me. Money that we spent on our honeymoon. <laughs> um, actually, here's a plan. Right. It makes you look a lot more generous than giving five times the amount of cash. Get them a really special book in which you've written a really heartwarming note in the front. And that might be 20 quid rather than 100 quid, which is probably the expected wedding present donation from a couple. <sighs> yeah, but what's the definition of special book? I mean, how special can it be? For 20 quid. <laughs> don't know. Yeah. Jamie's roadmap. Meals in Minutes. <laughs> what are you going to get? Um, well, whatever's in the charity shop. I've got a 1987 Jackie annual I got for 20p. Perfect. Got lots of advice about boys that you could um, you could use for marriage. I think you'll find, even though I did charge you 20p for that, it was a great wedding present. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we now proudly present the intermission. Brought to you by episode 69, Dudes, available to buy 
at answermethisstore.com. This is Seb from Brighton. Answer me this. Why is it that my twin brother has a significantly bigger wanger than I do? That's got a smart, hasn't it? Do you think they were comparing erect penises? Because if they weren't, it could be that he had a semi on. True. Uh... True. Maybe you're just a bit shy. Yeah. About showing your twin brother your penis, you fucking weirdo. <laughs> but then, look, the thing is, to be fair, this is his twin brother. He's probably seen his wanger over numerous occasions, yeah. over numerous years of his life, and he's come to the Through conclusion all that at new this stage. they did together. Exactly. He now knows, but he's saying it as a fact, isn't he? Significantly bigger wanger. It yeah. could be perspective. I mean, maybe his twin brother's thinking exactly the same thing. He's looking. Yeah, because oh, looking yeah. down at your own wanger is going to oh, make it look shorter, isn't it? That's what they always it? say to people that have got small knobs: is that whole thing of just just look in a mirror it looks totally different. Measure it from the small of your back. <laughs> <laughs> from your nose. <laughs> to ask us a question using your voice rather than your typing hands, give us a ring on the following number. 02081235807. And to send one in via semaphore, maybe just film it on your phone. Then email it in. Or yes. upload it to YouTube, send us the link. Or tweet it to us. You could find it if it's a short semaphore. Yeah, but I, I would suggest probably just emailing it or calling, or, or, or phoning Skype, because we don't even take questions that people have submitted via Twitter. No, really. that's true, it can't be asked, yeah. It's just, it's just really phone, Skype and email. Tell you what happens when we get a Twitter question. Yeah. We go, huh, that's it, that's the reaction we'll you get. You, you think, oh, Helen and Ollie will have three minutes of banter with this. Bounce. No, the, well, quali- the quality bounce is this. Huh. Or it happens two weeks before we're, we're next doing the podcast, and yeah. we've forgotten. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. We did tell you. Yes, been very precise. Twitter is just for your friendship. We enjoy your feedback. Mm. As I say, semaphore, fine. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be watching wherever you are. Let's see who's called us this week. Hello, it's Rebecca calling from Letchworth. Helen, Ollie and Martin the Soundman, please answer me this. Are chicken Kievs named after Kiev in Ukraine or is it actually nothing to do with Kiev in Ukraine at all. Well, she's kind of right on both points. They were named after Kiev in Ukraine, but they are nothing to do with Kiev in Ukraine. Okay, so why did people think that uh, what is sometimes uh, a relatively sophisticated dish, but is more often than not now sold as some processed frozen turkey with some garlic butter in the middle of it. But Why did they think to name that after Ukraine? I think Kiev has an undeservedly shit reputation, but it is a delicious breadcrumby food let's park yes. our feelings mm. i'm asking etymologically etymologically okay why? well i have to tell you a lovely story ollie okay the tale of chicken kiev okay but when i say let's park our feelings yeah. i intend to tell you more about how i feel about kiev oh, i can tell uh, there's a lot there the emotions are already kind of vibrating out of every pore but i'm, I'm just trying to keep you know factually okay. consistent here let's answer the question okay first. so i'm going to tell you listeners what i think to be the most probable truth of the tale of kiev right because it is a story with many variations. Mm-hmm. Sounds like Rashomon. It's like Rashomon, but made of chicken. In the 19th century, a lot of Russian chefs went to Paris to learn their trade because things that were French were very sophisticated and prized. Yes. And in France, they had a similar dish, but made of veal. The chefs took that back to Russia and then it got made of chicken because chicken was a more valuable meat because it was so expensive and rare, relatively. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, right. And then after the Second World War, mm. there were a lot of Russian and Ukrainian immigrants to New York. So restaurants there that were trying to bring in people from those countries started serving chicken Kiev and they started calling it chicken Kiev to remind them of the homeland. Kiev, why? I don't know. I wonder whether it's because it was an Eastern European place name that... People Americans could say. And spell. Yeah. Yeah. 
four letters. Indeed. So I don't think it actually had a proper Kiev connection, but... It, the Kiev it, it really, connection. It really caught on, <laughs> didn't it? My favourite thriller. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But the proper chicken Kiev didn't even have garlic in it. It just had butter. What? And that was, and the chicken was supposed to be flavoursome enough then in these in these times of precious chickens that you didn't need any garlic and certainly not cheese or mushrooms inside. Okay, good enough for me. Let's now okay. talk about our love of chicken Kiev. Ten it's out, great, oh, isn't ten it? out of ten. Yeah, Kievs. it is good. I haven't had a chopped up chicken Kiev in a sandwich with some bacon. Oh my then. god, that Sorry, was one of the well, best sandwiches of my entire life. Slow down. Yeah, you took a chicken Kiev. A couple of a couple of weeks ago, we had spare chicken kievs from the dinner the night before it was cold in the fridge it was cold in the fridge it was you sat- chopped it up and put it in a sandwich it was saturday morning there's hot, no excuse don't hot, make it sound like well, somehow circumstances great. make it, it was, all right it would be worth cooking the kiev tired. just for the sandwich no chicken kiev and bacon sandwich fantastic i've never seen it look so happy Blimey. never been so happy no, 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 was there know. butter on the bread yes was there mayonnaise just I, I like my bacon sandwiches pretty plain and my kiev and bacon sandwiches similarly unadorned <laughs> You don't want that to distract like, from the main uh, events. That almost sounded like homestyle southern uh, wisdom until you said unadorned. <laughs> I like my chicken KF sandwiches like I like my men. Unadorned. I like my chicken KF sandwiches like I like my curtain poles. Unadorned. <laughs> I'd actually even go cheaper and nastier with Kiev. I know well, it's this wrong. This is from Tesco. It's pretty well, nasty. No, cheaper and nastier. Oh, I no. like Bernard Matthews mini Kievs. Mini. I know that they are filth. But I really <laughs> like them. It is the taste of childhood for me. Like it's the one. So that are those turkey those ones? Yeah. Are they tiny spherical ones like yes. a picnic egg? Yes, and they oh, they are to, to the developing taste buds of the young Ollie man. They were like smack, did and it just takes used, me straight back. Did they just fire them into your mouth? Using a little catapult. Like a tennis launcher. Well, they're, for a kid, they're quite a sophisticated ca- taste because you've yeah, got... Two stages. Exactly. And also the heat from within. So they mm. seem hot on the outside. And then, and they cool down a bit. Hot. But exactly, there's mm. magma inside if you take the whole thing in your mouth at once. So it's a learning experience as well. Yes. Um, and a very, very simple, cheesy, savoury taste inside. Delicious. Cheesy? Yeah. What? Creamy, cheesy. I know, it's disgusting. But what I'm saying is, still now, if I want a little nostalgia trip, and literally I'm talking about twice a decade here yep. I will go and stock up my freezer with mini Kievs and Arctic Roll and it's the happiest day of your life it's kind of amazing I still love mm. that taste yep yeah because it's great yeah Chicken Kiev was essentially as far as I understand the uh, ready meal which yes. revolutionised Marks and Spencers uh, yes in the UK I believe it was the first as a food provider ready yeah. meal yeah so a relatively sophisticated entrant to the ready yeah. meal market rather than frozen yeah frozen spaghetti or yeah Oil in the bag, stir fries. Because our whole life, M&S and Waitrose, I guess, have been purveyors of quality or seen as much better quality. Yes. Uh, ready meals to have at home from fresh ingredients. But yeah. it's weird to think that only about 10 years before that, yeah. they were only known for pants. Really? And then it was like, Chicken Kiev changed their fortune. Changed everyone's lives, doesn't it, Chicken yeah. Kiev? Yeah. it's awesome. <laughs> it is awesome. We can actually all agree on that, which is nice after last week's olive debacle. Like a lot of those foods that are now sniffed at because they're 70s. Like Black Forest Gatto is a delicious oh, gatto. Prawn cocktail, very good. Well, yeah, but prawn cocktail is what no, gave me there's food no, po- yeah, no, but it gave me food poisoning in Reno, so I'm still a little bit ho-ho about okay, prawn well, okay, cocktail. Okay, fine. But as recently as three weeks ago, you thought delicious enough to order on holiday. That tells you yeah, all you need to know. It's a good right, dish. Right before it made me vomit, <laughs> I thought prawn cocktail is a-okay. <laughs> then I thought, God damn you, the 70s, this is your fault. <laughs> 
Every podcast I listen to is sponsored by Squarespace From WTF to Digested Read with John Crace They all offer 10% off, which I think is ace But whose code should I choose? If you use the code ANSWER when you join for a year You'll show Squarespace that you love us even more than our peers And they'll continue to keep us in tea and biscuits and beer And drugs and fast cars Thank you very much to our generous benefactors, Squarespace. And I have been using Squarespace recently to set up my new site, theillusionist.org, for my podcast, as aforementioned. And do you find, Helen, that uh, they make it easy to make beautiful and easy-to-use websites? They really do, Ollie, because you're making all the changes to the front of the website. Mm. There is no back-end, no back-end people. And the feeling it gives me is like when you go to someone's house, it's really beautifully minimalist. Mm. And you're like, where's all their shit? Yeah. Where's all their mess? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's their cupboard full of shit? Yeah, you can be There's the kind no of... <laughs> cupboard of shit with Squarespace 7. It's all just clean front. Where's yeah. the shit? <laughs> you too can sign up and try Squarespace without even entering your credit card details or anything. Try yep. it for free for a bit. And then if you choose to sign up for a year's worth of their service and get 10% off, remember to use the code ANSWER. And you get a domain thrown in with all the hosting and designing. So that's also very good. They win the internet. Bravo, Squarespace. Well, here's a question from Nicola, who says, Whilst frantically shopping for the finishing touches for Christmas presents, I came across Britney Spears' hair product. The perfect stocking filler. And I got to wondering about the timeline of her promotional items. Ollie answered me this. Did Britney Spears' hair products go into circulation before or after her hair shaving incident? Yeah, it is an interesting uh, product collusion isn't it when you think uh, mm. that that is one of the things she's most famous for in tabloid circles it was circles. a while ago though wasn't it 2007 yeah, it was a while ago i mean you know divine brown was a while ago but you say hugh grant and you do think of it in one of your top three things yeah true same with britney my top three things <laughs> well all time i would say hugh grant you think four weddings leverson divine brown i think is that him, not fair i think uh divine brown four weddings throwing beans at a paparazzo britney i think schoolgirl outfit yeah. justin timberlake shaving the hair off that's what i think well her huge breakdown was quite a big thing it was exactly yeah, so yeah. fair comment um and that is probably why the hair care range is exclusive to little oh really yeah and only in britain uh, it's across all of europe so wherever little has a supermarket but not in america but not in america december the 18th they hit the shelves so it was literally the very time nicola sent us this email she was essentially one of the first people in the world to see wow. the britney spears hair range what and there privilege. she was sending us a question as if oh this must be some outdated thing from seven years ago no no it's only just hit the shelves i suppose it makes sense because britney uh, whether you like it or not is a uh, very affluent perfumier good thing is uh, it's quite cheap uh, I'm not surprised. The, uh, it's a little, firstly. Yes, indeed. The hair brushes, which come as part of the set, you can uh, five of them you can collect, different colours. Yeah, why would you need five hair brushes? Well, why do you need a Britney Spears branded hairbrush at all? Define need. Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> to, to do voodoo with, of course. Uh, $1.99 each. Hmm. I mean, that is bargainers for quite a still... I, I wouldn't say top-level star, but certainly someone people have still heard of. She's on the B-list, isn't she? But you have to wonder, don't you, how much these people know about the products with their names on? Do One Direction even know that they are on liquid toothpaste at Superdrug? Are they really? They are. They really are. Liquid toothpaste? Yes. That's interesting, isn't it? Because you'd think teenage girls would want some Harry Styles cream in their mouth. I, I, I rather assumed that was the message. Mm. But liquid? Yep. I mean, that's not... The right consistency. Well, it's, it, it is when it's fresh. Yeah, okay. Here's a question from Mark, who says, Ollie, answer me this. Any idea why dusters are always yellow with red stitching? Nope. Uh, I mean, I've looked into it, uh, and there are three competing theses. I mean, I'll tell you three? what they all are. Yeah. God, that's generous. Uh, but I can't honestly tell you which it is. Is it because um, 
Ronald McDonald had a hand in all of them. <laughs> I Look, okay, here's the thing. Yellow dusters with red stitching, yes, they are the most common to buy. Yes. Um, but actually, you can buy others. You can buy pink, you can buy blue. Yes, there are, I've seen can. them. They yeah, exist. Kind of faded beige. Two reasons why I think those don't sell now. Uh, one, you can't see the dust so well on them. Mm. Two, mm. Um, and I, I return, I, I'm afraid, to my answer on the red cups at American pool parties. Yes. People have grown up knowing yellow dusters, thinking dusters are yellow when they go to the supermarket. They don't want to be challenged on that. Yeah. They want the product they know. You can get other coloured rubber gloves, but you've probably got yellow exactly, ones. Exactly, yeah. So really, in truth, you know, the technology exists to make other colours, but now people ask for yellow dusters. That, that really is the answer. But why were they yellow in the first place? Yes. Three competing theories. Okay. Uh, firstly, mm-hmm. uh, some say mm-hmm. when they were originally introduced in the 1850s, yes. the psychological signal that was being sent by the yellow was to remind people of spring cleaning. Here comes sunshine, mm. clean your house. Reminds you of wiping your windows with a freshly hatched hen. Yeah, no, I think that's bullshit. But apparently yellow cloth... Uh, which would have come from China in the 1850s, would have been the cheaper colour to get. Oh, so it's an economic thing. It's economic, but they would have said, look, remind yourself of spring. It's, it was like um, we did yellow rubber ducks some years ago, and I think it was just cheaper. because yeah. yeah, the rubber was in that colour already. Yeah. I'm not so sure about that theory anyway. Mm-hmm. Theory number two, dusters were once recycled butter muslin. Okay, so it was stained yellow. It absorbed the colour used in butter when it was wrapped. Yes, then also makes sense. the practical housewife would reuse it as a duster. So now it's a heritage nod. Exactly. Ah. And actually, I'm more convinced by that one. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's good. Theory number three, similarly, a nod to heritage. It's an echo of yellow chamois leather, which is a kind of natural colour of chamois leather that people use to polish other things around their house. I'd say all three of those explanations seem reasonably plausible. Well, that's why I gave them, Helen. Whether Who am the... I to judge? But I'm just saying my personal favourite is the chamois leather one. But what of the red stitching? Is that because that <laughs> just looks best against a very bright yellow? Most colours don't go well with that. Black would look okay. Black would look great. Or like a dark blue. But actually, I think whichever theory you choose, what's interesting is that it, it, it doesn't really come from necessity. It comes from a nod to uh, heritage cleaning. Yeah. So that, you know, whichever it is, what we're basically saying is when mass production and industrialization arrived towards the end of the Victorian era... You'd love to remember that. You want to remember the heritage of what would have been previously for hundreds of years, your mum showing you how to clean a thing. Yeah. So whichever whichever excuse you choose, whichever theory you go for, they're all kind of reminders of a kind of heritage of cleaning, which is quite nice in a way. In a way. In a way. As nice as cleaning can be. Maybe it's just that you... You're scrubbing dirt. Maybe you want to look at something brightly coloured for a change. It does make it a bit cheerier. Yes. Yeah. Also, I'd certainly recommend these dusters. Um, buy fresh ones for this, but when you've got a cold, very gentle on the nose, much more than no. tissues or hankies, yes. You blow your nose into dusters. Yeah, clean ones, not what dusty ones. sick indication of how the Western world is wasteful, Helen, do you need that somebody blows their nose into a duster? Yeah, and then you put them through the wash and then you can blow your nose in them all over again. Good tip. I use pledge wipes. That wouldn't work to uh, wipe your nose on. No, but it's certainly good for making your face a shining mahogany. (laughs) I use it for polishing my wood. You get me. (laughs) Thanks for going there. Thanks. Thanks for lifting this section about cleaning into another place. (laughs) When your other sources are no help or meet with disapproval Where can you go when your mum doesn't know and you can't be asked to Google? Answer me this podcast at googlemail.com 0208 
The musical stylings of listener Chris there. Beautiful work, Chris. Thank you very much. Uh, Andy uh, has emailed us with this. He says, I recently stumbled across a work colleague on Tinder. Awkward. Uh, that is what a stalker would say, isn't it? <laughs> oh, just, just stumbled across you. I have a strict rule, he continues, about not dating people from work. Uh-huh. Uh, plus, she's too short for me. Oh, come on. Uh, so I swiped left. You really can't help your height. Out of almost everything from your physical appearance, that's the thing you can least help correct mm-hmm. but helen answer me this seeing as she'll have seen me on tinder too and may have swiped right mm. confident may not have though should i mention it to her in some casual way to explain that i swipe left just because i don't want to date workmates um she does seem a bit weird around me he continues and i'd like to clear the air uh, and she has a boyfriend Whoa. so is it okay to spread this gossip around the office uh, i think the classy thing to do um andy would be to say to her oh i saw you on tinder i swipe left because i don't date colleagues but also because you have a boyfriend mm. so that's not the classy thing to do that's totally twisting the knife in semi- okay, I, d- well, he I didn't consider wants- you good enough to swipe right and by the way i know you're playing around yeah you don't say that well i think andy would because he's like oh she's too short should i tell the whole office as well that she's on there I think this is quite interesting because yes. apparently Tinder is full of married men who are looking for something on the side. And and attached women. Well, evidently. Yep. You don't hear so often about that. Because women are more discreet. It takes mm. two to uh, fuck. Apparently, <laughs> there are married <laughs> women on the there as well. Phrase <laughs> the famous phrase goes. Or more. Yeah, indeed, yeah. Point is, isn't it interesting that there are probably just as many married or uh, otherwise mm. engaged women looking for fun yeah. as there are men. Fun, that is the fun. most... So open to misinterpretation, isn't it, of all the euphemisms? Because one person's fun is going to Peyton and Burn for a cake. And another <laughs> that is person, fun. It is fun. It's my fun. It's your fun. Yeah. Another kind of fun is someone trading a picture of their bumhole. How do you know? How do you know? And they need to be more precise. It's like putting us in the comedy category. <laughs> Imagine if you went to Peyton and Burn and showed them your bumhole. <laughs> Who's to say I don't? They don't have a loyalty card. <laughs> is that what you think happens on Tinder that people swap pictures of their bums? Well, gaydar. Well, I've, I've seen gaydar uh, activities are the same. Why should Tinder I, I, be I, much less? I've never joined one of these things, but my understanding from talking to women about this mm. is that they put I'm up for a bit of fun, which is one of the options, right? And they do get cock shots back. Yeah, yeah, or at yeah, least yeah. you know, man in a bathroom mirror bulging Calvin Klein's giving a thumbs up, and that's to a lot of women not fun. Yeah, you know, yeah. They, they literally mean I want someone to go and watch the Hobbit with. <laughs> <laughs> We've all jacked off to the Hobbit then. So because it's so boring, we needed something to get us through. There's something. It's the dwarves. It's, it's Christopher Lee for me. <laughs> <laughs> Still got it, hasn't he? It's. I, I don't know. I, I don't think I like the tone of this Andy's question very much. For a start, he seems really full of himself. Like I doubt she really gives a shit. And B, like, if, if she is in a relationship, that is potentially quite harmful. Well, yes, exactly. like, that, you would ask, should I tell everyone in the office? Well, no, you shouldn't, no, you should, but that's No, you should just tell everyone on a podcast. But yes. the thing that she obviously is anxious about, I think, reading between the lines, is that he's seen that she's yeah. playing around if yeah. she's in a long-term relationship. She's not bothered that you swipe left. Well, she might be, she because might everyone left. likes to be found attractive, don't they? Do you think he should broach this with her at all, then? Or he should, should mind he... his own fucking business, I think. Okay. I th- I th- do you not think he's been really it's a, that's kind of intrusive like is it a close work colleague I don't know I, suppose, I, I would just forget about it I yeah. suppose it's an exciting thing to find out though about someone you work with it is it is juicy I don't think there's anything in this that suggests he should initiate the interaction if she comes to him and says you know I saw you on Tinder do you mind just keeping that quiet because you know a bit awkward yeah fine but uh, there's no reason you should initiate a conversation about this is it also possible that she will have a tinder profile think- lurking around from when she was single and just hasn't really done anything with it since she's been with her boyfriend 
maybe she and her boyfriend have an open relationship. Or maybe they're, having, di- maybe they're having difficulties. You know, none of this is any of, his, any of his business. Also, I think I think there are quite a lot of people who are on things like Tinder, not because they're looking for sex, but they're just looking for people to find them attractive, just to remind them, you know, they've still got it, even though they're in a relationship, and they're not on the market, they've still got them, it. that's fun for them, isn't it? Yeah, lucky Again, them. problem with the word. Yeah, so it's not so much swiping as stroking their ego. Exactly. Maybe the thing to do is go up to her and say, look, you know, we both know that I saw that you're looking for fun. I'm on to the I'm on the way to the loo now. Anyway, if you want a photo of my cock, I can email it to you. <laughs> since we're on the internal system, that is... there's no point of using the mobile app. Well, listeners, if you want to send us something, preferably not cock shots, you can use our apps, but you can also email us, or you can call us, or you can Skype us, and we keep our contact details on our website. AnswerMeThisPodcast.com, where you can also find links to our Twitter and our Facebook where pages. Where we do not accept questions, just interesting correspondence. Indeed. Yes. Um, and you can find the links to the Answer Me This store where you can buy our first 170 episodes you and can, our albums and our apps and you can see posts that uh, we've put up in between episodes because sometimes we answer your questions and address your feedback there yes mm. and remember between episodes that you can now find not just my spin-off podcast but helen's as well the allusionist Whoosh. Uh, <laughs> magical name isn't it it is beautiful <laughs> uh, and mine which is the media podcast Whoosh. what about my podcast um, brain, brain train Whoosh. global lab Send the ladies. I've got a podcast coming out of my ass. Yeah, just, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally, your podcast where you're just guffing into a mic. That that comes out every day. <laughs> uh, I think, you know, basically file those under optional. And it just remains for us to say thank you to squarespace.com for sponsoring this episode and thanks to you for listening to it. Please come back for more in a fortnight. Bye! Bye. Bye.